0: This, this,
1: this, show
0: is brought to you by Safety FM. What's up, peeps? Welcome back to Rebounding Safety. Today is a conversation, a quick-fire conversation, between me and the hot nerd. Let's jump into the intro. I'll tell you some more about it. Let's go. The problem in safety crushing the stereotype brought to you by wrist fluent what's up peeps? welcome back to rebound and safety rebound and safety is a youtube channel and podcast doing exactly what it says on the tin so if you're new here hit that subscribe button follow bell whatever my name is james mcpherson I'm from wrist fluent limited um and i am the host of rebound and safety rebound and safety is kind of like our passion and our our value our purpose at wrist fluent so thank you for joining us on our journey it's lovely to have you here today we are talking with the Hop nerd so the Hop nerd mr sam goodman is becoming a regular on in safety um, but this is an episode where um i was on the Hop nerd we screwed up the times and the dates and we only had 30 minutes and we decided screw it let's go with this we haven't planned this we haven't really thought um what we're going to talk about could be crammed into 30 minutes but Let's go for it. So, we literally had a f- fast 30 minute in depth conversation. Have a listen. Tell me what you think. I'll catch you at the end.
1: Well, I'm going to start recording just so I don't forget because it's been that kind of morning, man. I woke up this morning to find out that one of the dogs had gotten in here and chewed up my other headphones, the ones that actually work. So, I can only hear you in one ear right now. So, I had to order. I had to order. <laughs> order another another Uh, pair this morning it's been one thing one thing after another today man i I screwed up our times i did it was it's been bad man how
0: the fuck are we gonna talk just for thirty minutes i don't think that's ever happened
1: we're just we're just gonna have to run with it man we're just gonna have to run with it that's and so it's gonna be a hot nerd rerun and safety quick fire session quick fire let's just go man so i'm just gonna go so i think everyone knows who you are but uh, let's do like a quick recap of who you are, what you got going on, all that stuff. We've had you on, what, two, three times already? A couple times? It's been a blast, man. It's twice.
0: Might be wrong. And and then once I've introduced myself, because I'm going to put this out on my podcast, I want you to introduce yourself as
1: well. Yeah, we'll do it, man.
0: So my name's is James McPherson. I run a company called Risk Fluent, and I also we our, our purpose as a company is to rebrand safety so we have a youtube and a podcast channel called rebranding safety um that's been going for about four years i've been in safety for just over a decade um and we do kind of two types of safety really we do the technical stuff where we try and use this high reliability stuff but for normal safety for small businesses and then we do the more cultural type stuff for the big businesses um yeah and we chat shit on the podcast and the youtube channel all the time and and who are you sam my
1: turn i get i get to go now geez man this is cool so Sam Goodman, a lot of people know me as the hop nerd from the Hop Nerd podcast. Kind of similar. I mean, that's I think that's that's what I remember from the first time we met, man. As we sit there and kind of like, man, we're similar in so many different ways and profession and kind of all this stuff. And so very very similar, very similar story. Uh, I've been doing uh, safety for about fifteen ish years now. So just just uh right there with you, right right around the same amount of time. For about half that time has been into human and organizational performance, or however we want to say that, trying to do safety differently, safety better, something that's not uh, what I started with. I was one of those folks that was indoctrinated early on in my career into more traditional approaches to safety, got frustrated with that, almost left, wrote a couple books about that, found my way into this kind of human and organizational performance space. And so nowadays, um, in addition to the podcast, kind of the same, hot nerd, Doing uh, human organization performance consulting, help, coaching, all that kind of stuff. Trying to bring those concepts to life in organizations that need that kind of help. So that's who I am. Podcaster, crazy person, provocateur, all the above. Love it. What are we talking about? I can't remember. So I think, so we, we caught up because we, had, we hadn't talked to each other and like it's been a minute, man. Because I've been, uh, I've been, had life stuff going on and work stuff going on. And you had life stuff and work stuff going on. You welcomed a little one to the world, which is amazing. So I, I, I hadn't, we haven't been on the podcast since then. So we have got to say congratulations. That's been what? Thank you. A year ago now. <laughs> no, two. She's Dude, two. Holy cow, man! <laughs> I feel fucking old. Well, trust fucking. me, man. That's why I wear the hat. I I used to wear the hat because I liked it, and I wear the hat now to cover the gray hair. between haircuts because i usually cut it pretty you know shave the sides pretty high so i can get rid of the grays but uh i've swore a lot already
0: i can't remember do do we swear on the hot nerd are we allowed to swear or fuck yeah man
1: we can say whatever we want to As I upload things, I just automatically hit the explicit button. So it's okay. People, people at this point know what they signed up for. (laughs) So so, uh, when we were catching up though, I didn't mean to derail us there. Um, When we were catching up before we were talking about uh, how we bring some of these ideas into, I would say smaller, more mom and pop. Kind of organizations because big yeah. organizations have a lot more wiggle room to be to be able to go play with stuff like this right and that's just obvious like budget time resources there's yeah. ju- it's just i don't want to say that it's easier because in some sense you know those organizations aren't as nimble you know i hear people talk about large organizations being like aircraft carriers on good yeah. days and the titanic on probably worse days yeah. <laughs> but they're, they're, they're hard they're hard to, they're hard to steer and they are sinkable Right. But they they often have um they often have the resources and time and all those things we're just I was just mentioning to be able to go play with this stuff, try it out, kind of figure stuff out where mom and pop organizations don't necessarily have that ability. You know, when it's three folks, you know, me, my cousin, and my brother-in-law in a van trying to do work, and we have a couple other vans that we have a couple other employees that do that. That's a whole lot. That's a whole lot different conversation when we're talking about safety, health, human organization, whatever. Right? It's a, just a totally different conversation. So, I think that's where we landed on was was. Yeah, what are some ideas it. on how we can bring that stuff,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: those better ideas or just better approaches? What's what's I guess the tactical kind of bits of that that's that's applicable to those folks? Yeah, I remember now. I remember.
0: And I I think there is something first we need to acknowledge on this in that i think a lot of the conversations that we have around this new view safety differently hop whatever you want to call it mate it's so far from the reality of the small business like it is miles away from the reality of bob's roofing or waste company or whatever like some of the shit i see is just like, whoa, fucking hell, (laughs) like, (laughs) shit, there's no point even talking about, like, building capacity here. And then I think some people might turn around and say, actually, you need to talk about that because that is – that's that's the whole problem that got us here is that they've got this perception of safety, but then there's the next problem that we don't talk. This perception of health and safety, be it because of the way we've done safety, what is so deep rooted, man, like so deep rooted yeah. um, that actually some of the sometimes I'm I'm if I'm if I'm honest, I'm a bit exhausted by all these thought leaders, and I'm fed up of reading it. It's the same yeah. shit book, I'm, and I'm just like, Do you know what? It's got no connection to the reality of some of these businesses the business i don't know what it's like in america i've never worked in america but in england the british economy is a race to the bottom like 100 it is a race to the cheapest quote everything is cheap 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 and we're we're gonna try and talk to them about building to your point building resilience and you know building some capacity and having nice loads of slack in your operations these guys there is no slack. It's the cheap right. to get the to win the tender of the job, and right. then it, it's do it as fucking quick as possible. Like if I'm going to talk about building a high performance team, fuck off. I need the cheapest guys and the cheapest raw materials and the fastest job. And that you know that is miles
1: away from the Deckers, the Conklins, the Honagles of the world. way different, right? I, I think. So it's very similar, I think, in a lot of ways to what you're just mentioning in the economy. And then you also see this emergence of kind of like solopreneurs and kind of these kind of small entrepreneurs and kind of small startups. And I mentioned like a few folks in a van doing stuff, you know, because that's, that's a lot. I mean, just here in Arizona where I'm at, I mean, there's a dude in a van that made a company that just and there's a thousand of them right and it's him and you know, them and a couple of their family members to start with and then maybe they have five or ten employees and they're doing some pretty high risk crap right I mean here we're building tons and tons of houses you got guys crawling all over roofs and laying tile and doing all the kind of crazy stuff that comes along with building homes or building apartment buildings or I'm just using that as an example because I can look out my window like right across the street and they're building like hundred and fifty new homes like over on a hill <laughs> you know? so I could I can do my uh, I can do some safety observations with my binoculars from the window, but that's but exactly yeah, and especially in those situations where profit margins are like razor thin, especially yeah. as a startup company, and I just had to buy a fifty thousand dollar van, and I'm having to pay a payroll and mm-hmm. all of those things. I think so. Something that was standing out to me as we were kind, of, as you were kind of talking, was this idea that you know, with our larger organizations, that I would I just call them safety focused organizations. organizations that kind of have that embedded somewhere and have had that embedded within their organization for a good amount of time. And they're usually mid to large size kind of organizations. I think that we take for granted the fact that safety has been ever present, even though that it's not, uh, we can look back on it now and kind of apply a healthy dose of presentism and kind of, kind of compare where we're at morally now and say, well, that was immoral then, you know, and that's not fair. That's obviously not fair. We're kind of we're kind of bad at doing that quite a bit, especially as safety stuff. But where I was going at that is, we take that for granted that in these in these organizations, we take the fact that we've had traditional safety around since like the dawn of time in these organizations for granted. And it's acted as a as kind of that series of stepping stones that's led us to this point in our maturity that then allows for us to pursue some things that are a little different or a little innovative or things like human and organization performance where we can kind of shift in tune because we already have laid that bedrock, right? We we, we we're, we're kind of on stable ground. And when you're with an organization or you're starting an organization, and maybe the only thing in safety that you've been concerned with so far is like, okay... If the regulator shows up, how do we not get a citation? Or maybe not even that much. I don't know how the regulatory environment is in the UK, but, you know, here. I didn't turn up. There's not enough of them. There's like five. Yeah, there's <laughs> there's like five for the entire country. We'll <laughs> right? It's a little alone. more than five, but it's not that many. Like it's it's like it's like under a thousand for the entire country, mm-hmm. right? But like here in Arizona, we have a state-run program. So instead of having OSHA, we have ADOSH uh, for now. There's some talk about rescinding that, but. I think for the entire state, there's like 15 inspectors. Really? I mean, for the in Arizona's massive. You know, Arizona's a massive place. So again, I guess not to sidetrack us. I know we're you and I both are both in like a time crunch a little bit today. But that was what was standing out to me is that I think we take that for granted. Right? I think we take for granted that that this kind of doing things differently or trying different approaches is a part of maturity that has come along with all those past evolutions. Because we're keeping a lot of that, right? We're not getting rid of prevention. We're not getting rid of like, you know, following the regulations. We're not just throwing all that stuff out the window. I think it's been a series of stepping stones that led us to this. In small organizations, you don't necessarily have that.
0: Yeah. And to put this into perspective, in the UK, SMEs, small, medium-sized enterprises, account for 99.9% of the business population in the UK economy. Yeah. Ninety nine point nine percent. That's amazing. Like, and um the people we're targeting with this stuff, or people that are having these conversations, are the point one percent. Yeah. And talking about the ninety nine point nine percent, and of those, I, I I knew it was a high percentage, but I wanted to check, so I googled it. And um, at the start of twenty twenty, there were estimated to be six million UK private sector businesses 1.4 million of these had employees and 4.6 had no employees wow. so 6 million have no employees wow and uh, you know it, it's a huge percentage of that I believe is going to be really micro to small businesses right yeah. minor percentage of that is actually medium businesses because medium business in the in the UK is actually pretty a pretty big business, um, yeah. but yeah. And then, and then, if you were to kind of look at the other point here, I've just googled how many inspectors there are in the UK for the HSE. It says there's more than a hundred inspectors in twenty two offices across the country. So when you say more than a hundred, you mean hundred and one? <laughs> yeah,
1: just just a, just a smidge above a hundred, just enough to say more than.
0: Yeah, there's, there was a hundred, <laughs> but then there's like this one guy is not very good, so we'll call him half. Right. <laughs> <But, laughs> It's just so when when you you so you think oh yeah you know most businesses are safe now right like mate I've worked in some businesses in this very short amount of time of seven months I've been in a consultancy and I and I'm just like fuck me like that machine is not legal right but just no idea and and we are the fucking miles away from from this stuff but but the problem we have now I think is what I hear a lot. James, I'd love to get you in. I'd love to get you in to come and help us do all this stuff you talk about in the podcast, but we're not ready yet. We don't even have have risk assessments. We don't even have this. And I'm like, okay, okay. So what you're going to do then is you're going to do all of these risk assessments, all of these policies and procedures, and then bring us in, and we're going to go back and redo all of that shit. Right,
1: right.
0: Like so we, we think it's this like step one step two step three like it's this evolution because we to your exact point i think you hit the nail on the head we've, we've we're naively assuming that everybody has these base level of of traditional safety whatever you want to call it yeah. and we also naively assume that it's 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 all shit like we like we in doing safety anarchists for example but but actually it's some of it's good some of it's all right some of it's pretty shit like we've now got it in our heads that what we're going to do is write all of these risk assessments in the way that we don't like them. to then go back and redo them instead of going. let's just talk about doing risk assessments better. Yeah. It, it just, it just, I don't know, mate, it blows, I get exhausted with it. If I'm honest, like I go on LinkedIn, do you know what? I go on Twitter for a rest from LinkedIn because LinkedIn's <laughs> that, That's bad, LinkedIn.
1: man. <laughs> LinkedIn for me is just exhausting now. <laughs> well, it is, and so I, you know, that's what I've noticed. Not to dive down that social media rabbit hole that, that much, um, but you know, I do that where I just log off, and I think my last hiatus was like seven months or yeah. something, something like that. Where it's just like I need to break from this. It's just it's too much of it's it's too much of an echo chamber. It's too much hot air. And to that point, I think that that that's been so much of the, um. Issue that I've taken with a lot of, as we say, kind of thought leader kind of in this, but any safety space, you know, whether whatever we're talking about, um, there's a lot of thought and not a lot of action. You know what I mean? And I think that's where for me being and for you, we we share this, that we've been safety practitioners, right, for all of our career. I, I didn't come up as an academic. I did not come up, you know, with an idea of even writing anything down about safety for the vast majority of my career. And I think that's the piece. Is like that's what organizations want to know. Like that sounds great. Like that sounds cool. And no matter the organization, large, small, somewhere in between, um, most people that that spend time talking to me, they struggle with how do I actually do that. Mm. that, that that's like this sounds great. Like like we're talking about learning. We're talking about about. Uh, deferring to expertise and creating trusting environments, like all this stuff. And it all sounds great. And I've read all the books, but how the fuck do I actually do that (laughs) in real life? And now I wish that there was an easier answer than to say, you know, I I wish that some of the kind of safety snake oil salesman stuff actually worked. Cause we see that we're talking about LinkedIn. You see that all the time where somebody's like, just follow my new checklist and I'll sell it to you for $12 and 95 cents. And if you just follow steps one through 32, Safety culture will be yours, you know, and we know that that's, that's a load of crap, right? And it, it, just FYI for anyone out there, if anyone's trying to sell you that there is one right way to do anything, especially the safety of work, there's one right way. And key emphasis here being that they're, that they're right, that their right way is the one right way. I think I said that right. Um, yeah. Run away. You should run away really, really fast, because yeah. there's not one right way. And that's some of the challenge, I think. now yeah, that, that organizations have to kind of embrace that there's not like a linear guide that comes along with really much of safety, whether we're talking new view, old school, traditional, whatever, you gotta do what works best for you. And I think that's a, a key piece here when we're talking about these smaller organizations, is uh I don't think that as much as I am a uh practitioner of human and organizational performance and kind of these these doing things different, you know. Um Not every organization is ready for that. I I think that's a key thing to take away, that you have to lay a certain element of, you got to have the the scaffolding built first before you can start doing the work on top of it. And I I don't know that you can just, now the principles I think are sound and they carry through, but again, I don't know that you can just jump in and just say, we're going to trans this organization that has seven employees that just started last week is going to go through transformational change. That probably sounds like a really bad idea. They're just in the, in the entry phase of figuring out who the hell they are (laughs) to to begin with. But when, when I,
0: Hmm, there's a lot in that. We definitely don't have long enough to, to
1: (laughs) gain. We're going to have to do another round of this. Yeah, we're going to have to.
0: Here's a little simplified uh, example of how you could use computer vision to proactively kind of f- identify things in the workplace as kind of learning opportunities without that kind of bureaucratic, slow, drawn out process of reporting and then reporting and so on and so forth. Because really what computer vision is, is, is vision, right? It's like an extra pair of eyes. But it's not got someone sitting watching that CCTV all day going, meh. So here's a really simplified version of, of how you could use it from the white paper produced by Protex AI um, that's AI's role in promoting a proactive safety culture. Computer vision identifies packaging. that's often left by the ent- entrance to the store on Monday mornings. The safety team reviews the selected video clips with the workers. Um, Key point there, with the workers. So the AI has gone, hmm, this always happens on a Monday. There's something there. So it's a specific thing. So if your safety walk is only on a Tuesday, you're never going to see this. So the AI has spotted it. That was my first observation of this this simple kind of story or situation. So the safety team gets the workers in and we start to have a discussion. They explain that there are too many deliveries on a Monday morning to unpack and clear away at the same time. So the health and safety manager shows the computer vision evidence to the operations manager along with the feedback and so on from the teams. And then the deliveries are spread across three days, making it easier for them to uh, manage the packaging. So you can see as a really kind of simple way of how this can help not only is that as computer vision that ai partnered with your cctv has kind of spotted up a trend oh, we've got a trend here we're really good on the other days but we're not on mondays hmm and that's something i think would be really easy for us to miss in a workplace because it's only at a specific time and a specific place so you've got to be in that specific place on that specific day at that specific time for you to spot that the likelihood of that is very low so the ai the computer vision has kind of done the work they needed to do spotted the trend pinged it up to you you're able to get the team in and go oh look at this this is what we're talking about on uh, on mondays this is happening what what's the sitch peeps and they're like oh well deliveries are just mad on mondays we cram them all in on monday it's like delivery day and it's just nuts we haven't got time to clean this you go boom learning opportunity just a very simple example of how having those extra set of eyes and you having the right attitude and approach to be able to use that as a learning opportunity can help you constantly constantly approve constantly learn become a learning organization and start having that presence of positives. so you're just constantly doing stuff i really like it and i really like this example um... to just really clearly and concisely go, oh yeah, I get how that works now. Um, So I took that out of um, Protect AI's white paper that you can download. The link is in the description. It's called AI's role in promoting a proactive safety culture. For me, this is all about becoming a learning organisation collecting that data having all of that tech help you spot trends so that you can take that and learn from it it's just increasing all of those constant learning opportunities so go to the link in the description below have a read it's an easy read there's some really cool little chunks in there there's loads of stuff that you can learn from this paper it's not overly academic or anything like that it's, it's a really simple easy read there's some good takeaways in there um, and I think there's some really good takeaways in there regardless of you take on commute vision or not so make sure use the link in the description below and read the white paper peeps if we were to just take risk assessments as an example right kind of us does those australia does those england do those in england a risk assessment is the cornerstone of our legislation right it's it's everywhere you can't do anything in a risk assessment so if we were to take that as a, as a, as a kind of just an example to enter this conversation, we might go, we need to do a safety one risk assessment. And then when we're ready and the company's used to that, what we'll do is we'll go back to it, tweak it so that it becomes a safety two risk assessment. i just like, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm fucking stupid. Like what yeah. we're going to, that's the same as buying. What we need to do is buy a really shit car
1: and then, well- my really car. Well, it's a it's a great that sounds that sounds like an excellent sales tactic because then I could sell you something twice, <laughs> right? But, but but for but for but to actually pursue it, I think it hints back at something you were saying earlier in the conversation. Is it's I think it's the shift in how we do these things right out of the gate, right? So a risk assessment is a risk assessment. As we're kind of doing a risk assessment, we're kind of and I, I mean that on the side of kind of hazard and risk kind of stuff, right? As we're kind of looking through an organization, as we're kind of working through a process, whatever, and we're looking at that, I think that what changes is what we understand that we can actually manage and manipulate, right, on the other side of that risk assessment, at least in this piece of it. So, again, I think that's a a practical bit that maybe a smaller organization could actually take on is this idea of, like, as we do risk assessments, rather than doing a risk assessment and then looking at stuff that's very, very brittle, right? Looking at stuff that just doesn't work super good. How do, you know, there's certain elements of that, that we have to have this probably in the regs that somewhere there, we're going to have to do this. We got to do that. But what's the most bang for our buck? And when we're looking on the other side of what our actual operational risks are, how do we take that and think more in that way, right? And not just saying capacity, not just saying building in some margin, but how do we actually, build the outcomes that we would prefer to see. And I think a lot of that comes from understanding that one of the few things that we actually have kind of control over is seeking out and managing the presence of controls and Mm -hmm. like viable controls, like good, like actual non-brittle air tolerant kind of controls. And those are concepts that I don't believe have to be super complex. That doesn't have to be, you don't have to go through seven hours of hot fundamentals and sit down with, with some type of, uh, you know, known massive speaker to tell you to do that. That's something that you can just kind of shift the way that you're thinking around those things. Like maybe instead of just telling somebody to try harder, let's take that and think, what can we actually do with process X, Y, and Z to, to at least stack the 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 cards to stack the deck in our favor that when my cousin Bob goes to do that, he's not going to fall and go splat. Or when he goes to do that, he's not going to get blinded or lose a limb or 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 worse, right? How can we create systems that actually allow for non-catastrophic outcomes, even when shit kind of hits the fan? So I don't think that that has to be a super complex thing. And that's where I really like to share with folks that are kind of early on in their journey or smaller organizations, like just use that kind of start when safe kind of idea of like, what's the shit that kills you? What controls do you have in place? And are they enough? And like, you're doing it at that point. Like those are the actual things that matter, right? Mm -hmm but like, so, uh, to, but when I listen to that,
0: I agree with everything you've just said, Sam. Right, one hundred percent. But when I listen to it, I'm like, that—that's what the le- fucking legislation said when we wrote it in 1974 in right. England. Right, like that—that that is a risk assessment, not yeah. a view, not a new view risk assessment, no. not a risk assessment, not a safety differently risk assessment. Right. It's a- Safety as originally intended risk assessment. And that, I, I first said, coined the term. I don't know. I might have stole it off someone else, but I think I coined it's the It's yours.
1: Term. You, you got it
0: now. <laughs> fucking trademarking it. It's mine, right? <laughs> I coined the term "safety" is originally intended. Fucking three years ago on the podcast, and, f- and like if we were to take, I, I remember seeing uh, Todd do a post actually where it says instead of "stop safe" or "safe when stop when not safe" or something like, let's do. And you were just reminding me of it. Mm-hmm. Let's do start when safe, right? Okay, well and that's nothing new. That like makes sense to me, but like. That's what a risk assessment was supposed to be. Let's yeah. do what we're we trying to achieve here. We're trying to do this. What are the risks? What can we see in front of us? And how are we going to do it and managing these risks with impact? And that for me is what a lot of this is. Is like you're managing it with, with impact. And I think a lot of the time, we're not talking about, there's a lot of papers out there, there's a lot of research out there. And there's a couple for me that are really important. And I fucking love the safety clutter paper by. Drew, um Drew, David and Sydney. Yeah. Um yeah. one of the best pieces out there for people to read. And just to take away the three C's of, of clutter to be able to test anything that you're doing, mm-hmm. for me, just do this. Just think of how much value does it cost, which they call contribution. So what does it contribute to? Does it contribute to the safety of work? But I would I would add something here particularly in england there's a lot of work that we need to do that's done in the name of safety that doesn't contribute to the safety of work right. it does contribute to the company so i don't think don't throw the baby out with the bath water. the british setup as it is it is it is what it is and then we're not going to change the fucking world so if you need to write we're not going to change the world overnight we might change it eventually right. but if you need to write some rounds that are generic and they're not on the, sh- they're not reflective of the shop floor, but you need to write them to tender for a job, fucking write them and tender for the job, but yeah. just put the shop floor from them. Just that, that would be my solution for that. So does it contribute to something within the company and deliver value? It, it confidence in that, in, in how you know that, does it, do you have evidence that it contributes or do you believe it's evidence? have you Sorry, if you don't have evidence, do you believe in it is contributing? So ideally it's evidence. A lot of the work we do in safety doesn't have evidence, but right. ideally you've got some evidence to say it does work. If you don't, do you, as a group of people that are about to implement this, believe that it's going to work? And do you have a consensus? Does it extend to those stakeholders on the shop floor who are going to be involved with that? Do they agree with what you're talking about? Do they agree? Do they have confidence? Do they agree that it contributes? I think if we did that, if we did those three tests with everything we do in safety, we'd go a very long fucking way. We'd go a very long way. So don't do, I'm I'm just going to do old view because we're not ready for new view yet. Right. No, I'm just thinking about doing managing risk, but having impact of the shop floor, having impact on the safety of work. For me, that's not new or old. It's safety as originally intended.
1: I think you're you're. I don't think I know you're spot on because it's the question of impact, right? That's that's the that's the key question. What actually matters, right? To that to that point, and thinking about examining for what actually matters, what's actually meaningful. In kind of my world, it's, it's tuning that question towards what's actually meaningful to not killing and maiming people. You know, yeah. like what, what what actually matters? And you're spot on. There's There's definitely stuff we got to do that we just got to do, right? And whether it sucks or not, we just got to do it because it's part of the regulation. It's part of something that's in our systems to protect us in various different ways, either from regulators or litigation or on and on and on. There's things you got to do as a company, right? But how yeah. you translate that down rather than doing that to people, having it there and not doing two people is you can still do that. Right. I think that's a that's a really, really important point. And I agree yeah. with you, man. I think this, you know, what, what we're talking about, is not new? I, I I think that when we're talking about um, these various bits and pieces, you know, I've, I've had BBS people on here, uh, Dr. Tim Ludwig, which is a phenomenal conversation. I've had some traditional sage folks. I have lots of hop folks, obviously. Um, but the thing that I discovered the most talking with all these folks is we're not that different. The thing is, and we're not really different at all in a lot of ways. Um, I think that's what really shocked me with the uh, Dr. Tim Ludwig conversation was we're just like, like, man, we're talking the same language here. So I think what you see is there's this this kind of thing where organizations like to take stuff and they like to reduce it down to easy, and then just kind of put their own spin on it, or they like to piecemeal and they're like it's like a buffet. Like I'm gonna take a look at this, I'm gonna take a look at that, yeah. and the way it's applied kind of throws us back into the shit side of things right we we apply it with their current assumptions of liking to blame of all these kind of other things right and we don't have enough time to dive down that rabbit hole cuz you and I both have to run to go do other things <laughs> but I could do about blame all day right exactly and i think i think that that's one of those things where you know how we apply those things i think that's where the principles and i say just the principles a good set of principles A better set of assumptions as an organization, no matter what you want to call the ways that you approach the safety of work, as long as you're examining for doing the things that are meaningful, the things that matter, right, that actually impact what you're looking to impact, as long as you're applying it, you know, with this sense of focusing on the workforce as a problem solver, and I think that's a key piece in that change, right, um, I don't know that you're going to be that far off from whatever the hell we're calling it. Yeah, I, and I, and I do I think, think that, boxing it in, boxing it in stifles innovation, actually, if we start saying I'm just doing this in this box, and it's just called hopper, it's just safety differently, or it's just safety yeah. too, or it's just traditional stuff. We're actually killing safety innovation, probably at that point, because we're just stuck in that box.
0: Yeah. And, and I think the one thing we as a profession need to do before we do anything else is remember that academics are supposed to bicker with each other. But we as practice are not meant to pick one and stick with that no. then leave them at the top to bicker amongst each other get bitchy write books about each other do whatever they need to do because <laughs> right that's what, that's what scientists academics are supposed to do they're supposed to bicker and what we're supposed to do is take their work and give it a fucking go and see what works and then because you might As a consultant, we'll go to one company and they're like, oh, we we love BBS. And I'm like, cool. Because I've had Dom Cooper on my podcast, the same as you had, um, I can't remember, your guy on on your podcast. And and he's talking and I'm like, mate, that's fucking hop. What you just said there is hop. And I'm talking to someone on hop and I'm like, mate, that's fucking BBS. It's the same shit, just different ways of saying it. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing because there's a load of people that got on, mate, I don't, see, this is the thing when we think about <laughs> it, we're all fucking tied up in knots. And yeah. now is the amount of messages I'm going to get being like, eh, actually, it's based off Taylorism, and Taylorism is this. And like, leave your fucking academia over there because there are aspects of all of it that are really good, and there are aspects of all of it that might not work for you, and that's cool. But if you're focused on contributing to the actual risk on the shop floor, if you're confident that that's having an impact, and there is a consensus within the workplace, I don't fucking give a shit what you call it.
1: Yeah, and I think that's one of those things where, as long as you're embracing and leaning into kind—and of, I don't mean to boil this down to something that's that's too reduced—but you're focused on caring for people, right? You're mm-hmm. focused on caring for your workforce. And embracing that kind of human element. Sorry, as my phones are kind of blasting in the background, people telling me I'm late for this other meeting. Right. But it's one of those things where it's 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 as long as you're genuinely focused on embracing humanity and leaning into the humanity of your organization and taking care of those folks. And again, not to reduce it down to something as simple as the golden rule, but caring for those folks like you would want to be cared for. I think that matters, right? I think yeah. I think those things do matter. And I think you're absolutely right. We get too hung up in this concept, that concept, this book, that book. And we forget that we are practitioners, meaning that we actually go out and practice, <laughs> you know, this stuff. We, we, we feel our way through it. And that's the piece that I would kind of wrap up with is just saying that, you know, every organization's journey to doing uh, whatever better, right, to, to trying to influence the safety of work a little bit better, it's going to be totally different. Right. We might we're going to have some 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 sharing. There might be something that might work for this company that might work for yours, but they might be doing this and doing great with it. And it might be horrific in your organization. So you just have to embrace that bit of it, of understanding that it's not a copy. Nothing that you do in this world can really be a copy and paste. You can learn some lessons. You can try some stuff on for size. But your your way is your way, because organizations like people are infinitely unique and you should embrace that uniqueness because that's what makes you cool. That's what makes you you. That's what makes you your organization lean into that uniqueness and build something around that. Right. And I think having that set in a good set of principles that are based around kind of the the assumptions that we know to be better assumptions is a good way to kind of be that test or to act as that test of what will kind of work or what should maybe be here, what should not be here, what should we stop doing, what should we start doing. I think that's a good way to start sorting and kind of prioritizing that stuff that we should be going out and actually trying to do. People are not the problem, but they are a fucking pain in the ass. (laughs) That's a fact, man. I know I'm a pain in the ass, so I can't. I know I'm a pain in the ass because I somehow managed to get our meeting off by one hour <laughs> to, yeah. and put us into this time crunch. But
0: I had one at four and one at five, and I was like, what the fuck?
1: <laughs> I'm, I cannot be trusted with technology. Well, I've got to tell you, man, this is the fastest podcast, or the fastest conversation I think you and I have ever had, but I've got to run. I'm five minutes late for another thing. <laughs> yeah, me too. But maybe it's good that we're coming into 30 minutes. Let's find out. <laughs> we're going to see you, man. Thank you so much for coming on, my friend. How can people find you before, uh, before I hit the end button?
0: Just go on LinkedIn and find me at James McPherson or Google
1: risk flu and a safety and we'll come up. Go, cool, man. We're going to do this again real soon, but next time I think we're going to need like two hours nice one yeah for sure definitely all right man i'll talk to you soon okay
0: peeps i hope you enjoyed that conversation that quick fire conversation with sam don't forget to check out the hop nerd as well sam's doing loads of awesome work at the moment he's got loads of books as well go and have a read of those if you want some support with any of the stuff we've spoken about if you're thinking oh we'd like to think about new view and high reliability and all of this stuff and uh, but we need some help with it we would gladly help you we don't just work with small businesses um, and have like Retained offers for for them we also have like we like to build bespoke partnerships with existing safety teams as well so um we thought what can we do to help people that was me many years ago and i feel as a safety professional i always thought well i don't need a consultant on a kind of partnership model because well i'm the safety team so what that's my job and sometimes it's just helpful to have um to have a connection there with people, um, so hopefully, if you need some help with this, come and have a chat, and we'll, we'll knock something up. Um, otherwise, check out the healthandsafetynetwork.com. dot com. The health and safety network is, and I will link it in the description below. It's a community of health and safety professionals, and so you can have um, a call a week where you can get some help and some support. You can listen, you can give help and support. You build, a, you've got a community of safety professionals. It's your own safety. Team, um, and often more often than not, when we build these bespoke partnerships for our customers, we roll in the Health and Safety Network membership as well, um, because I think it's such a powerful community. So go check that out as well. HealthandSafetyNetwork.com it's in the links in the description uh, below. And if this goes out before the first of October, then check out the first of October in the Exchange Bar around three o'clock. We'll be doing a networking lunch. If this hasn't gone out, and you're listening to this after the. 1st of october then you've missed your chance but we will do it again thank you very much i'll catch you next week safe the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily reflect the position of the companies examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are examples only based on limited and dated open source information and should not be utilized in real life as the only solution available assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the companies